Well, it's Palm Sunday, and it's actually a big deal. Everybody say big deal. It's the beginning of, in Christianity, what we refer to as the Holy Week. And uh, it, it truly is a big deal. A man named Jesus, who was God himself, came to earth and took on form of man, lived a sinless life, and then willingly, willingly went to a cross and died for the sins of all mankind, your sins and my sins. And we're celebrating that this week. Anybody glad he took our place for that? Amen. Thank you, Lord. And we have Good Friday coming up uh, this Friday, and that's the day that Jesus was crucified. We traditionally mark it in that way. And think about this, a good Friday and Jesus crucified. Crucifixion is the most horrendous, uh, you know, type of death that somebody could go through. And he went through that. So it's like, what's good about that? Let, let me share with you. He took our sins. He hung on a cross in our place. He paid our debt so that you and I could be forgiven and so that we could then have a relationship with Heavenly Father. You know what? That's good. No, no, no. That's real good. So that's why we celebrate Good Friday. And then next, next Sunday will be Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day. And uh, we're going to come. We're going to have four services. We'll have a, a Saturday night service at 6 o'clock. And then we'll have the three Sunday morning services. And uh, you'll say, well, there's going to be a lot of people here. Exactly. That's the point. And we want more and more people to be exposed to this. And, and so you come and you invite people and we'll have room for them. And it's just going to be a, a tremendous, tremendous time as we celebrate special music. And then uh, what we share together in the Word is going to be an awesome time. And I think you should celebrate Easter. And I know that our commercialized world gets a little crazy and runs with things. And that's because they don't understand some things and they see an opportunity to make some money. Okay. And so as soon as one holiday's over, you know, stores are decorating and ready to sell you this stuff. And so, you know, sometimes we get confused. Is it about eggs and bunnies and candy and, and all of those things? Um, no, it's not. But you know what? If you want to add that into part of your celebration, I don't have any problem with that. And one part of it I think is really, really a good idea. And that is solid chocolate bunnies. Solid chocolate bunnies. Now, if you're really, now listen, if you're really going to celebrate Easter, don't be doing no hollow bunnies. Can, can I get an amen out, out here? Solid. You got to get them solid. And uh, that's the way you really celebrate. All right? Just, just, just part of it. That is good preaching. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's look here in Mark chapter 11 as we look at Palm Sunday. And what's going on? You can find this in all of the Gospels. I, I chose Mark's Gospel to emphasize a few things today. It says in uh, Mark 11, verse 1, it says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Watch this carefully. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. Now hold your place right there. Do not try that at Walmart or Target. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's read on here. The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. 
The NIV points out he will send it back here shortly. Now, we don't see how that happened. We don't see somebody taking the donkey back. We don't see the donkey just going back. But with uh, how many of you know we can have a sanctified imagination? I think that Jesus, who created that donkey, that colt, probably wired him that at the right moment, he, he went right back to, to where he belonged. Let's, let's keep on going here. Verse 6, and they spoke, they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. And then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw... Oh, I skipped part here. Let's go back. First. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it. And he sat on it and many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees. And that's reference your palms that you're holding and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Would you say that with me this morning? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Verse 10, blessed is the kingdom of our father, David, that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And then I added in verse 11, kind of last moment here. I don't know if they, if they have it there, but it says, and Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. And so when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. And it's kind of significant to note that. And we'll come back on that in a moment. He finished this triumphal entry. He went to the temple, looked around a little bit, and then he went and spent the night in Bethany, which was a little less than two miles away. Palm Sunday coming in to Jerusalem in this way is a big deal. Everybody say big deal again. And and let me share with you why. First of all, this is the first time that Jesus has been to Jerusalem since early in his ministry. Second of all, it's a setting where there's a whole lot of people. And they begin to cry as they see him coming. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In our vernacular, you know what they were really saying? There he is. Here here he is. And it had some meaning to it. His, His reputation preceded him. And they knew that he's the one. He's the one who heals. He's the one who raised the dead. Uh, Just a week earlier, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He's the one who fed multitudes. He's the one who's doing all of these things. And and there he is. There he is. And so they begin to cry out this Hosanna, which I I think really you can just think about it. Here, Here he comes. There he is. There he is. And they identify him. And they're calling out. And they're not just calling. I think they're hoping too because they're... They're under Rome's heavy hand, if I can put it that way. The oppression of the Roman government was just horrendous. They took what they want when they wanted it. They were cruel to the people. Just um, There was not a freedom. And it was just heaviness. They taxed them heavily. They required so much of them. And it was just, you know, a horrible oppression that the Jews were under, under the Romans. And so these people, they're crying out here in Jerusalem, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That had really connotation of a king coming in. And they thought... They thought maybe he's the one. This could be the guy that's going to change all this. This could be the guy that's going to set up a new kingdom because after all, he keeps talking about some kind of new kingdom. It's also a big deal because it's, it's Jerusalem. And in the heart of Jerusalem is the temple. And the temple is the heart of Jewish worship. It's also a big deal because it's Passover. Passover is the festival of festivals for the Jews. And, it, and it's huge. It goes back to... 
even when they were in Egypt. And uh, we don't have time to go in all of that today, but the, the Passover, and Jesus is the Passover lamb, and, and it's the festival of festivals. Well, here's the deal. For Jerusalem and the temple, Jews came from all over the place. They, they had a, a, a religious pilgrimage, and they traveled, and they came, and they filled the city for Passover. So there's thousands of people. This is kind of like a holy Mardi Gras, okay? And it's just the city is packed, the city is pumped, it's just electrified with all these people. So it's kind of a big deal. But most of all, this is a big deal because of this. Jesus knew that this would be the climax, this would be the culmination of his ministry. He knew that everything had been leading to this point. Let me say it to you this way. Everything about Jesus, his whole life, had been leading to Jerusalem. And now this is the culmination. Everything he said, everything he taught, you'll begin to see it now that I've kind of told you that. When you read through the Gospels, you're going to see. When you read through the prophets, you're going to see everything was pointing. Everything was pointing. Everything was pointing. We've got to get to Jerusalem. And, And listen to me. This is the moment. That's what Palm Sunday, that's why we've got to mark this a little. This is the moment where they're coming in. And and as I said, he'd been talking about it. He'd been pointing to it. Let me read you a few scriptures. In Luke 9, verse 51, now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. In Luke 13, 22, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, watch this, always pressing on toward Jerusalem. That's the destination. Luke 18, verse 31 through 33. Then he took the 12 aside and said to them, behold, look at this, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the son of man will be accomplished. That's huge. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. Jesus has been moving toward Jerusalem his whole life. Look at me. Listen to this. He had a single mission. And his mission was this. He was born to die. And he knew. Get this. He knew. We're here. This is the place. This is where it's going to happen. This is the week it's going to happen. We're here. Think of somebody who has trained their entire life for the Olympics. Think about it if they're a a skater, a runner, a swimmer. And as as a child, people saw some potential in them and took interest in them. And they got the lessons and got the coaches and spent the time. It's just, it's crazy. If you study how some of the uh, Olympians have come up, you know, skaters getting up three in the morning to go skate for several hours and then be tutored for a while and then skate some more and then run and work out with weights and do this and eat right and be tutored some more and then good, good sleep and then start it all over again. I mean, worked all those years, all those years, all those years, junior Olympics, and then on, on and, and, and keep, Keep going on at all different levels, continuing on in competitions. And finally, here you are at the big game and you're in the starting blocks, ready to go. There has to be this awareness just before that happens. All of this, all of this has come to this moment. And I don't think anybody else around was really aware of this, but Jesus knew the prophecies. Jesus knew the prophetic energy of God that was about to make the spiritual and the prophetic merge with flesh and blood and time and space. And something holy and something incredible was about to happen. And it all got kicked open with Palm Sunday with a little parade. And so as he comes in, 
He's aware, and I want us to be aware today, some 2,000 years later. I want you to be aware of this. Listen to me. This Holy Week is the most important week in human history. And I don't want us to lose sight of that. And today, as we kind of enter in with Palm Sunday, let's not lose sight. This is the most important week in human history. Everything hinges on this. Jesus enters on a cult that's never been written before to fulfill Zechariah's prophecy. The crowd goes nuts. For some of y'all, let me reword it. Crowd goes ape. Y'all get the idea the crowd was crazy? Quite different than you right now. Okay. The crowd just goes nuts. Hosanna, Hosanna. It's not just a prayer. Originally, that was a prayer. But as you follow kind of the history through the the Psalms, which Psalms themselves are written over a thousand years time span. And Hosanna, which was a cry, a prayer of save, we pray. Now it's become a praise and a, a declaration. And it's coupled with blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So it's kind of this Hosanna, save, we pray. I need some help here. Coupled with, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And there he is. And so it's this, it's this declaration. It's a, it's a praise. And it's strong. And I believe they gave it out strong. But I also believe they kind of had, you know, a little question mark with it. Is, is he the one? We hope, we hope he's the one. But here's, here's the thing. They began to cry, Hosanna. There he is. Here he is. Hope is here. Help is here. And then they spontaneously. Everybody say, say, say spontaneously. Okay, how many of you, that was the biggest word you said all week. Okay, good job. They just spontaneously in this moment, there was enough out of their culture, there was enough that was energizing that moment that they spontaneously began to do something. They began to roll out the red carpet. But they didn't have red carpet. So you know what they did? They took their coats, they took cloaks, they took shirts, they, they took blankets. They took them and they began to lay them in the road. And some people didn't have things or they wanted more things. In this spontaneous moment, we have to seize this moment. We have to welcome. We have to honor what's happening right here. And, and then others ran into the bushes and the fields nearby. And they, they cut off palm branches and leafy, leafy branches and came. Here's what they did. They didn't, they didn't wave them. You know what they did? They laid them down. And he rode over them. It was, it was honor. It was welcoming. This, the symbolism of that is incredible. And they rolled out this welcome, this, this honor to Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But, but here was what their mindset was. Here's what they were thinking. Because we need some help. We need some help. We're hungry. We're hungry and we hear you multiply food. We, we've heard you fed multitudes and took care of people. We're sick. We're weak, we're tired. And we hear that you heal people and open blind eyes and make sickness leave. You even raise the dead. And people that were out of their minds and people that were possessed by demons, you set them free. And you didn't go around yelling at people. You didn't come to condemn, but you came, you came to love and, and to help. And we welcome you. Come on, everybody. We welcome you. We welcome you. We need that. We need that. And beyond all that, the oppression of Rome. Please, please set up your kingdom. Set up your kingdom. Because they didn't fully understand what that kingdom was. 
And Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. But I want to take us past the parade. And in my whole life, Palm Sunday ended right there. But if you'll read on, something else happened. And let me just brief you on it real quick. Jesus ran the whole parade route, so to speak. And he didn't get off the donkey at that point and go, thank y'all. Give the donkey a swat. That's kind of a horse thing that I do, you know. Pretty good, wasn't it? Okay, I know it wasn't. But, you know, he didn't just do that and say, hey, guys, can you find us a Waffle House or something? He, he didn't do that. He finished this, and, and obviously then the crowd just kind of dissipates, and he keeps going. And Scripture says, and I read the verse to you earlier, in verse 11, it says that he went to the temple. He went to the temple. I, want, I Don't miss this. And he went to the temple, and this is what Scripture said. And if you do a little bit of word study, it's, it's, it's just real clear and real rich. He went there, and he just looked around. And just watched everything. And it's Passover. And it's the temple in Jerusalem. It's in full swing. All kinds of things are going on there. And he just went and he just watched. He looked around. And then he said, it's late in the day. Let's go. And so they went back to Bethany. It's about 12 furlongs. It's less than two miles away. And as they went, you'll recall the fig tree that he wanted some to eat off the fig tree. And there wasn't any. And he cursed the fig tree. Remember that? And they spent the night in Bethany. And the next morning they're coming back and, and they see the fig tree and it's dried up from the roots. And he used that as a lesson. And then they went back to the temple and he did something. Let's pick up here in Mark chapter 11, verse 15. Now get this, first of all. He had the triumphal entry. Triumphal entry. And then he went straight to the temple. Straight to the temple. Uh, Mark 11, verse 15 through 18. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. And the Amplified Bible says that they were making the temple a shortcut traffic lane. There were delivery people who had made a shortcut, a thoroughfare through the temple. Can you imagine Domino's and Papa John's cutting through here? They wouldn't get out of here, would they? Back to our story. And then he taught saying... To them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you've made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and saw it, how they might destroy him. They feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. They didn't seek to destroy him just because of what he did in the temple. That's an inclusive statement that covers a whole uh, thing that was a, a, a path of what has happened here. And specifically his teaching and the impact that he has on the crowd. They said, we've got to destroy him. Well, let's go back to the temple here just for a moment. The temple is the center of worship for the Jews. It was thought to be, and think about this, you have to think Old Testament here. It was thought to be the very dwelling place of God. And they went there on purpose. It was so important to them, their life, their culture. The, the temple had started out as a tent. And then it was a tabernacle in the wilderness. And then Solomon built the great temple in, in Jerusalem. Then that was destroyed. They went into, they went into exile and then exiles were released and they came and reconstructed the temple during the time of, of Haggai and, and Nehemiah. And then Herod later on expanded that temple. And then we go a little further past where we're going to be this morning. Jesus had even predicted the temple would be destroyed again. And that happened by the Romans in 70 AD. 
And if you go to Israel today in Jerusalem, there's the Wailing Wall. And the Wailing Wall is the only surviving wall of Solomon's temple that was standing during the time that Jesus was there. Incredible thing. The temple was an important thing to them. And again, they thought it was a very dwelling place of God. That's where you met with God. You went there to meet with God. Today, where's the temple? Today, it's you. It's in you. And then we gather together as a living body in a building. And we've set the building apart to God. But this is not really the temple. You're the temple. You're the temple of the living God. It's where you, but in this setting, it's where you would meet with God. It's where you would worship. It's where you would bring your sacrifices. It's where you would learn. It's where you would get your sins forgiven. It's where you get your prayers answered. And now let's, let's look at the setting that it's, it's Passover. And so there's going to be all, there's feasts and festivals and sacrifices that are to be made. And you've got all these pilgrims, all these people that have traveled from all over the place to come to observe Passover and their sacrifices that they must offer. Y'all follow me on this? And they can't carry all of that with them. And so it's an approved practice. It's an, it's a needed service that there are people there that sell animals. The priest would oversee it to make sure that the, the animals were, were pure and they were fit for sacrifice. And so that would be set up by the temple and, and people could come, they'd traveled and now they could buy the dove. They could buy the goat. They could buy whatever they needed for the sacrifice that, that they were going to make. But they came from all different kinds of provinces to come to Jerusalem. And as they came then, they're all going to have to tithe and they're all going to have to pay a, a temple tax. And the Jews did not want that to be impure. They wanted that to be as pure as it could be. And so they required people to use a certain coinage, a, a local Jewish coinage that, that they would use. And so people would have to take their Roman coins and their Greek coins and other uh, provincial coins from different provinces, and they'd have to exchange those. And the reason the Jews didn't want those is because they had the likenesses. They had the portraits of some real ungodly emperors on them. And they said, we really don't want to confuse that with our worship of a, of a, of a holy God. And so they would have to exchange it. And all that's good. And it was needed and it was approved. And Jesus wasn't against that. But what he was against was this. They moved it all inside. They got it too close in the wrong places. And then they started taking advantage of people. They started selling them one-eyed chickens. No, I'm joking. They started to do things that were a little less than what they should be. And charging more than they should. And unfair exchange rates. And charging extra surcharges. And taking commissions. And jacking the prices up. And ripping people off. Any of y'all ever been ripped off? Well, on the night of that triumphal entry, Jesus went right to the temple. And what did he do? He looked around. And he just watched all of this happen. And, and you know what I think he determined? He determined this is anything but holy. And this is anything but respectful. And so he came back to change it. And beyond the crass, commerce, uh, crass commercialism of, of all of this, it's just it's so distracting. It's so much commotion. Think about it. You've got animals and pins and cages and changing money and, and ripping people off. And probably people saying, wait, I can't pay that. You know, there are probably arguments among uh, exchanges and all, this, all of this going on. And all of that going on. And then people are trying to meet with God. And so Jesus came, but this is the thing I want you to to know. He fixed it, but I want you to know something about how he fixed it. And let me just shoot to the chase on this. Growing up, I always heard it was always preached. It was always taught to me 
that Jesus went in there crazy-eyed, wild, beating people, yelling at people, kicking things over, throwing things, breaking things. And you know, if that's how he went into the temple to clean up the temple, then I'm a little afraid of letting him into this temple. I want you to see how, how he did this here. And if you can take the time to read it carefully, it's not our main point today. He fixed it. And the only thing I can find even close in the language to any kind of real fervor about this, he said, zeal, passion for my father's house consumes me. But what he's saying is this has got to be right. Nowhere does it say that Jesus just went crazy and foaming at the mouth and eyes bulging and, you know, and just hollering and yelling in this fit of rage. I, I just don't see it. And what we find that he did do, though, it happened in an isolated section of the temple. Uh, it's called the large court of the Gentiles. It was probably hardly noticed by anybody. There, there were Roman guards all over the place. None of that's mentioned. Even in his trial, nobody even brought this up. And it quickly happened. And here's what he did. He drove them out. In the Greek, it just means that he made sure that they left. Nowhere does it say that he... None of that. No threats. Only thing. We've got to get this out of here. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. You, you've seen it before. You've been in settings. People, come on. We've got to move. Come on. Keep this way. And he, and he drove them out. One of the gospels that said he had a whip. Well, how else are you going to move bulls and goats and stuff? And he, and he had those and he, and he drove all them out. And then, and then guess what else it says that he did? He drove out the money changers. He drove out all the animals. He drove out the, the vendors for all of that. And then it says that he turned over tables and he turned over benches. But if you read it carefully, you can clearly see why he did it. It says that so that they could not have that thoroughfare through the, through the temple anymore. When I was growing up, we had terrazzo floors. How many of you remember those? Okay. How many of you have dents in your head because of terrazzo floors? <laughs> terrazzo floors are already slick. And my mom would wax them. And then put little throw rugs. The only thing they threw was me and my brother running down the hall. But I can remember her mopping the floor. And you know what she would do so that we wouldn't hear her word traipse through? She would put chairs across to block our way. And I don't, and, and hear me, I don't see a violent, rage-filled, having a fit of anger Jesus. I think I, think I see him, we, we can't do this in the temple. Come on, y'all move on out, move on out, move on out. And then he took tables and he took benches and he turned over and he blocked their shortcut through the temple. I think it's important that you understand that about Jesus. Now, go ahead and take your, your little palm strip there. We're going to do something with this in just a moment here. When Jesus came in, came into the city and we've just kind of done a narrative and kind of re- reviewed all of that. As he came in, he came in as savior. He came in and people had great hope. People had great need. And they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And for them to lay that down, it was to say, I welcome you. I honor you. And they laid that down because, you know what? And listen to me on this. That's kind of easy. It's kind of easy to get excited about somebody that's going to bring you something. It's going to feed you. 
I don't know about you, but when we're at a restaurant or at home or something and I see the waitress or Alicia or something coming with plates of food, how many of you know the excitement goes up? Okay. And so they see him coming up. He can feed us. He can help us. He can make a difference. He can set us free. He can deliver us from this heaviness that's on us. It's kind of easy to do that. But I think we should not neglect to make sure that we welcome and honor him. But secondly, it's not quite as easy to welcome somebody who, where they're really headed, is the temple. To come into our hearts and to deal with us. It's important that you understand that Jesus was not this rage-filled, crazy prophet guy. And I think some people view him that way, and I don't want him in my temple. I'm a little bit afraid. But I want you to know that he has a zeal for the temple of God, that it would just be right. And I think we need to welcome and honor him into our temple, into our heart, because here's what he wants to do. He just wants to deal with some things. He wants to deal with some of our attitudes and blind spots and behaviors and motives. You know what else he wants to do? He wants to actually, there's some things, would you be willing to admit that there's there's some things that are cutting through your life that he didn't want cutting through your life anymore? And he's wanting to say, you know what, let's block this. Let's get this out of here. Let's block this. And let's talk about this. It's a little less easy to welcome that. But you know what, today, I think when we see it in the right light, I welcome and I honor you. Not just as Savior, as Lord. I welcome and honor you, not just as friend, but as king. Because if I only welcome him as Savior, that's only half of Jesus. And your life is not going to be, if you're living, just bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. That's the wrong way to live. Instead, say, God, I want your rule in my life because it's the best place that your life can be found. So what I want us to do here in just these last moment or two, I'm, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm actually going to pray the prayer and I just want you to connect with it. And I want you to just take this and let this serve as a symbol. And just imagine that if the Savior was coming, you would honor and you would welcome him. And then in the same way, the King is coming and we want to honor and welcome him. And then when you leave in just a little bit, you're, you're welcome to keep this if you want and do whatever that you would want to do with it. But we've set up some crosses at both of the exits as you leave in the big hallway. I just think it would be highly symbolic today. that You take my prayer, make it your prayer today and just say... Jesus, I want you to be Savior, and I want you to be Lord. I want you to be my friend, but I also need you to be my king. And I honor that, and I welcome that. And then when you leave here today, and we'll settle that in our hearts in this prayer, but then when you leave, it may be real symbolic if you'd like to do this. Just stop by one of those crosses and just take the moment and leave your palm right there and just lay it down. And by by doing that, you're saying, I honor you. I welcome you into my life. Hold that out in front of you. Let's just pray right now. Father, we hold this little strip of palm just as a symbol, as a connection point. And Jesus, we thank you for entering that city, that your whole life, all of prophecy led to that entrance. That you kicked open in grand style the most important week in human history. But you didn't stop after the triumphal entry you went to the temple and God in the same way it's been your goodness to come into our life 
you have been so good to us. You feed us in every way. You heal us, you protect us, you free us. We honor and we welcome that. But Lord, we see clearly in Scripture that you also went straight to the temple. And for us this morning, that's our hearts. That's our inner life. And as you come, you didn't come to make a mess and to be all rage-filled and threaten and destroy. You, You came to just make it right. And we honor and we welcome that this morning. So Jesus, on this Palm Sunday, we honor and welcome you as Savior and friend. And we honor and welcome you as Lord and King. We release our faith for that now. We settle that in our minds. And we thank you, Holy One. Help us all this week to be so mindful of the great plan of God that came together during this week. We settle this in our hearts, and we thank you, Savior, friend, Lord, and King, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.